All right. And the show, as you know, belongs to you. I believe it does. Thank you very much, Gabe. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports, your uh, epicenter and the cruxus of all sports media uh, for Minnesota and national news. I'm glad to have you with us as always. Today is October 20th, 2022. Um, and if you are a sports fan with sports fan friends, as always, make sure you know, you're know you helping out by just leaving a like, a share, um, or a comment on any of our content uh, on Facebook or on YouTube or on Instagram or Twitch or TikTok or Spotify, or am I missing any of them, Gabe? I don't think so. We're just pretty <laughs> that much. That was a lot. I was going to say, pretty much anywhere you can find sports media or media in general, we are available to you. Um, and then if you do miss the show live and you just want to watch it on your big screen at home, because I feel like that's the best way to watch this show. It's more of a show than a podcast. You can always find us on MCN6 Saturdays uh, late night um, or on your Roku app at the MCN6 application uh, that you can just plug into your television. So, uh, we have a big show for y'all today. Lots to get to, so we'll get right into it. Uh, we'll be touching base with uh, Minnesota sports. Lots of news coming from uh, the Gophers, the Vikings, the Wild, and the Timberwolves as they are all in full swing, uh, even though the Twins are a forgotten about subject uh, at this point in the year. We got to go over the Week 6 NFL headlines, previews for Week 7, massive card for UFC 280. That'll be taking place in Abu Dhabi on Saturday, and then we're going to check in on the MLB playoffs before we wrap up the show Gabe, what are you most excited to speak about this week? Sorry, I was taking a drink. <laughs> Not of liquor. Um, sure, sure, sure. The uh, the thing, your thing that you're talking about, our little argument that I can feel brewing. Oh, That's yeah. what I'm excited about. Okay. Um, of course, UFC all the time. And I'm actually interested in this Twins off off um whatever uh, off season talkers but you don't want to talk about Carlos Correa and uh bitch about him so yeah not necessarily i mean maybe if you would have elevated us to the playoffs he'd have a you know a leg to stand on but that wasn't the case um so we'll leave that for a dead moment in the show possibly but we can jump right <laughs> off with uh, the Minnesota Vikings how about that Racking up yet another win against the Miami Dolphins this past weekend um, in Miami. Uh, Teddy actually faded to play the Vikings because he winds up coming into the game uh, after Skylar Thompson, I believe is his name. Uh, their third string quarterback goes down with an injury, a thumb injury early in the, the first half of the game. Um, kind of an ugly game to start. Um, but if we were to put this whole thing into context, the Vikings did exactly what they should have done. The offense squared off against a good defense who is only allowing 13 points per game at home so far throughout the course of the season, and they well surpassed that. So did the offense do its job? Check. Okay, how about the defense? The defense has been and especially the defensive secondary has been one of the biggest questions for the Minnesota Vikings throughout the entire year this year. And Cam Dantzler and Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith in the secondary showed up and were able to not shut down, but limit a very talented weapons group in Tyree Kill and Waddle and Gesicki and all the other weapons that they have on offense as well um, with a pretty 
I'm not going to say explosive, but consistent offense uh, in Mike McDaniels as well. So big ups to the defensive secondary. And then everybody's like, where's our pass rush? Well, how about Zadarius Smith just doing it all by himself? Seven pressures, three sacks uh, as everybody continues to slant over to Daniil Hunter and um, Dalvin Tomlinson, who have been generating pressure on the other side. And Patrick Jones stepped up in place of DJ Wanham as well. So lots of good things for the Minnesota Vikings as they take in a win here um, from over the weekend, only continuing to solidify the fact that this team's going to be a contender in the NFC. They have gotten themselves to a place now to where they are sitting near the top uh, of that conference and are going to be looking at now potentially a home playoff game, which the Vikings have not had in a very long time. Gabe, what are your thoughts on this Vikings team, especially after some of the conversations that me and Mike uh, have had the last few weeks from very differing viewpoints on the team? I don't think we have a clue about this team. Really? As much as I think it is trending upward, you know, like, I mean, obviously, um, you know, you sort of won me over uh, last week a little bit that, hey, it's a new coach, new regime. It's, of course, you're going to have hiccupy starts and all that stuff. Yeah. Trending in the right direction. I just think by that same token, it can drop away. You know what I mean? Where, where there can be, I don't know. I mean, we're going to get to it later in the show. I think it's all about commitment, and the Vikings are committed to the system that they're running, and it's wor- and it's working. And the buy, in my opinion, could not be coming at a better time. Um, which is, you know, uh, what's coming up next. Uh, another key point for the, the offense that we're going to get to as we talk about the bye week here is every touchdown drive that we had this this week. Uh, was with C.J. Ham taking more snaps out of the fullback position than you know than normal. We scored on all of those drives. I said last week Kevin O'Connell is going to have to migrate away from the single back downhill uh, zone run left zone run right type scheme. And this year we put C.J. Ham in the game, and Dalvin Cook broke off his first long touchdown of the season. Something we're accustomed to seeing for him. Um, so I think the adjustments are coming. Right, you're starting to see progress. Daniel Hunter is playing his position better. Uh, the linebacking core had great communication. Uh, the defensive secondary has started to generate turnovers. Um, The offensive line has a little bit of growing to do, I will admit that, between Garrett Bradbury um, and I think his name is Evan Ingram. Nope, Evan Ingram, uh, our rookie right guard. um, They pretty much sent their their blitzers right over those two all game to put pressure on Kirk Cousins. Now we were able to remedy it as the game went on and make a little bit of an adjustment to make sure we could score when we needed to. But that's going to be something that we need to address. That is obviously the weakness in the offensive line uh, up to this point. And I'm very interested to see how that's going to progress as we start to square off against some teams with some real defensive fronts that can wreak some havoc. So what are you seeing from uh, players kind of like in, um, you know, post game type stuff? Is there is truly everyone in lockstep as far as you can see? Like, I mean, no, yeah, I haven't, you know, they bought in the players are bought in. Yeah. I haven't seen a single individual that has broken ranks. I mean, it's a little bit different this year. You're getting a little bit less canned answers too, which is kind of cool. Now that reporters are allowed back in the locker rooms, post games to get the interviews in front of the lockers before, yeah. you know, they've, had the time to decompress and different things like that. Um, you know, the interview post game with what Minnesota calls its edge department or its pass rushers um, with uh, Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter and Patrick Jones all took their post game interview together. They're, they're, they did it as a unit, right? Something you want to see. Oh, that's a good pose. Yep. What, what, um, what do you think about? So whenever you get into playoff football or, you know, to be a team that really goes, makes a run in the playoffs, for yeah. instance, it seems like when it's old nut cutting time, as my old Pee Wee hockey coach would say, 
when it's nut cutting time. I don't know why that has anything to do with sports, but um, what it seems like that's in football, especially your locker room leaders having a strong personality, a get on my back kind of guy. Yeah, is really important. Do you believe that we have that really? Like, because I don't believe Kirk Cousins is on the offense. I no. know he's a leader, but not yeah. a that guy. Um, who who is it on the defense? Yeah, you know, on offense, it's definitely um, uh, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook have definitely, I believe, assumed that role um, at this point in time. Uh, you look at those guys. You look at the way the coaches and a lot of the other players talk about their practice habits and uh, how they're always kind of the positive energy on the offensive side of the ball, even when we have lulls. Um, I think those are the guys on offense. On defense, it's it's Zadarius Smith. I said this when they traded away Everson Griffin, you know, a few seasons back. On defense, you have to have a maniac. You have to have a guy that's going to be, you know, uh, uh, a Brian Dawkins, a James Harrison, a Joey Porter, yeah. um, a guy that's just going to beat his head against the goalpost, you know. And the Vikings have had, I've always had a guy like that in the last few years. We haven't. Not to say that Eric Hendricks and Harrison Smith aren't phenomenal talents, but they're kind of vanilla guys between the what between the sidelines, right? They're not really John. They're not trying to get into the the opponent's head. Patrick P kind of Pat Peterson kind of the same thing. Daniel Hunter the same way. Silent leaders. Zadarius Smith is not that. Zadarius Smith is coming and he's going to let you know. Um, so I think on the defense, it is him who is the emotional leader um, of the defense, and then you know. Everybody else on that defense is just kind of a lead by example from a veteran standpoint. So Harrison Smith is particularly vanilla. Yes. Of all those players. Absolutely. He's like physically. <laughs> well, and which is yeah. you can say that, but he's been what the best safety in the game for the last decade. Or pretty close to if you consider longevity and the play, you know, how the defenses that he's been on. I'd have a hard time believing that he isn't one of the better ones in the league. Here's my my only um, and I don't have real insight here on this, so it's it's not like I know exactly the type. But when you right. said positive leaders on the offensive side yeah. of the ball, all I thought is in all my experience as an athlete, mm-hmm. those positive guys, when it's really nut cutting time, that those voices don't tend to like they're good energy guys throughout right. the week, but not when it's really tough. Like, because it sounds like bullshit then. Right. And it's like, that's where you need that leader, you know, where it's a Joe Montana type, right? Where they're quiet usually, but then they, when they assert themselves and that's the only, you know, maybe that guy will develop, but. um, I think it's going to be Justin Jefferson. Give it, give it, give it the end of the season, till the end of the season, get us in some more high pressure situations. And I very much feel like he's going to be the guy on the sideline. That's kind of, for lack of a better term, rallying the troops. Um, He is the leading offensive weapon. So as as unfortunate as some people may think it is as he goes, the team's going to go. And that means sometimes it's going to be on him to be like, you know what? Hey, KOC, fuck it. We're not playing well. Throw me, throw me a little three yard screen here. I'm going to go grab 16 yards and get up and just light the offense on fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it is going to be him as he gets a little bit more comfortable with that role. I mean, KOC talked about it early in the season, um, his progression already from being a guy that used to kind of get frustrated with the double coverages and not getting the football or when Kirk misses him on a read, we don't see that now. He does kind of just like keep his mouth shut. He's very much a a team player. Um, And I think with that being the case, when he speaks up, it's going to hold more weight. What about Thielen? You know, I I feel like he's just the 
he's Mr. Kimosabi for Justin Jefferson. Honestly, okay. like he's master splinter. Well, I've seen him get in people's faces in a real way. Oh, for right? sure. So for I wasn't sure. sure if he could be that, but I also wonder how he's dealing with, you know, kind of taking a secondary role. Yeah. Even in, even in the Miami game, uh, there was a, he got, or the, in the London game where he got missed, he came over to the sideline. He was hot. He's talking with KOC, you know, whatever. But I think, KOC be that's what I'm talking about with KOC being a former player. He is the best guy or he is the most equipped individual to handle those situations. Right. Yeah. Like you just, you go to a guy who used to be a player. He's going to have the best viewpoint for you. Then it, you, you know, you don't have to have this negative sounding board um, or this, these negative comments be the sounding board of another player. It keeps everything in line. It keeps yeah. everybody in lockstep. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and the type of player you can, or the type of coach you can go to yes, and do it. It's not absolutely. Mike Ditka on the sideline where it's, you sure. know it's a war, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's that, and then I wanted to look. You know, talking about the buy, I think the self scout is going to be important. Um, I really do think that Kevin O'Connell is one of those coaches that's going to be hard to beat twice. Uh, once he's seen it, he's seen it. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be able to come up with a way. If you can't adjust better than him you're going to have a hard time beating him in the second go round um in my opinion so um this the the buy is going to be important but more importantly i want to take a look at the vikings schedule right because at the beginning of the season me and mike said 11 to 12 wins was the ceiling for the minnesota vikings right that's kind of where we landed yeah so we take a look at the schedule and let's take a look at like the the ones that you go all right we should win that game and we're at 5 and 1 currently we come out of the break and we face a Arizona team that is falling apart at the seams. Regardless of if they just tried it, traded for Robbie Anderson and DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. That offense is not nearly developed enough to be able to fool the talent that we have on the defensive side of the ball. And that defense is not talented enough to slow down the Minnesota Vikings. So there's six and one. We have Washington. Carson Wentz just went down and they don't have serviceable backups in Washington. Okay, now seven and one. New England Patriots, they're currently on the brink of a quarterback controversy between their first-round draft pick from last year and their fourth-round draft pick from this year, and that offense has been atrocious outside of Ramondre Stevenson, 8-1. and one. Uh, How about the New York Jets? Okay. The New York Jets, okay? The New York Jets are um, a team, yeah, sure, they just beat the Packers, but I've been banging the table on this all season. The Packers are washed. They're cooked. They're done. Uh, that offensive scheme no longer fits the personnel that they have, and I think their quarterback should have just retired last year, okay? So I'm pretty confident in our ability to beat the New York Jets, and I think one of the real challenges, one of the first real challenges that Sauce Gardner is going to see all year is trying to stick with uh, Justin Jefferson throughout the entirety of the game. Nine wins. The Chicago Bears on the road. By the point in this, which is the last game of the year, right? We're playing in Chicago. But who's to say that Justin Fields is even going to be out there? Or are they going to be trying to save him because they're so far out of it that there's no point in having him on the field? How broken is that team going to be? And like I said, Kevin O'Connell has seen that defensive scheme once already. I think he's going to be able to do uh, make a lot of progress our offense versus that defense. And I don't think their offense has all that much more room to grow as our defense only continues to get more cohesive. So nine wins. Then you'd look at the giants, the giants right now, admittedly are the Minnesota Vikings with a downgraded Kirk cousins and minus the wide receiving weapons. 
Defenses are about the same. Both rookie offensive-minded head coaches, somewhat limited on offense, but have the ability to play really good, solid team football. I think we beat the Giants. 10 wins. Then Detroit on the road. Yes, they are one of the highest-scoring offenses in the league, but their defense is awful. And it's going to be an indoor game late in the year, a fast track for guys like Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. 10 wins. Now let's look at the guaranteed losses. Buffalo and Green Bay. So we're at three losses there. And then we have the toss-up games, which are Dallas and Indianapolis. Dallas has beaten us at home before. So that doesn't, I'm worried about that game. But if you can limit Micah Parsons, like you saw the Eagles do with a lot of RPO and putting him out in space and making him play one-on-one in the open field, you can beat him. And then Indianapolis, we're going to learn a lot about them this week against Tennessee and how physical that team wants to be. How good is that defense? How good is that offense legitimately? Like they don't really have a perimeter weapon and we're pretty good against the run. So the Vikings legitimately could be looking at 12 to 14 wins this season versus 11 to 12 with the way that they're playing right now and the way the schedule is shook out. That's a home playoff game. And that should be the way that they look at every game on this schedule as you move forward. Because can Kirk Cousins win a playoff game at home? Yes. He's won one on the road in New Orleans. And then it's anybody's ball game you get out of the first round. By the way, 14 wins, 13, 14 wins might also give you a first round bye in the NFC right now. Excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to cut in, but I, yeah. I'm, there's a problem with our signal because I'm getting K-Fan <laughs> is coming through, it seems like. No, hey, this is, like I said, I'm the, I'm, I'm, I pride oh, myself you? on being the most honest sports personality in Minnesota. You are the most willing cult devotee I've ever fucking heard in my life. It's like you ran up to the front gate of the Waco compounds, started pounding. You let me in, let me in. I love you guys. <laughs> it was the front gates of TCO. Get it right. Yeah. Um, but that's that's who this team is. If they can continue to make progress, they've proven they can win close games. They have some of the best weapons in the entire NFC. They've got a coaching staff that is committed to greatness. And a defense that is only going to get better. But they have not been tested. They don't have those guys. Like, this could so easily... Like, I get your optimism, and you should be. Um, just, you know, tamp it down. <laughs> no, I don't know. Chip, chair, and a chance. It's all you need, right? True. So if you can go into every game and say, we got a chance. Regardless, and this was my point to Mike the last two weeks. If you can get into any game... Mm-hmm. And it'd be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. The Vikings have proven they can get it done. There are teams in a very similar spot. They may be roster-wise more talented Minnesota that are not getting the job done. Colin Cowherd and Rich Eisen actually both said this on the show this week about the Minnesota Vikings. Winning close games is a skill and an art. Either you have it or you don't, and the Vikings very obviously have figured out the situation on how to get it done. So the early season wins that we pulled out because our offense was sputtering. Yep. That that's actually, that's proven we can win games in the playoffs. I think it's a proven sign of when, when it's nut cutting time, Mm -hmm. as you would say (laughs) that this team isn't going to shrink, right? Let's let's look at Denver and we're going to get to them a little bit later as well. Denver over the last three weeks has had two overtime games. Both of both times they've crumbled to lesser opponents. 
Okay. Yes. Uh, how about the Raiders? The Raiders are a more talented offensive roster than the Minnesota Vikings right now. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. They are losing close ball games. The Green Bay Packers, one score in the fourth quarter. They got Aaron Rodgers, 12, one of the top five in this generation and possibly all time, losing close ball games to New York and the Jets. The NFL is in any given Sunday league, and all you have to do is make it close on any given Sunday or any given playoff game, and you got a chance. And I think the Vikings have proven if you give them a chance, they will beat you over the head with it. You know my favorite NFL acronym acronym saying is? Sure. What's up? comes courtesy of Coach Jerry Glanville, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I love Jerry Glanville. And a ref screwed him on the call. He goes, God damn it, you, you know, he's like, this is the NFL, and that stands for not for fucking long. <laughs> it stands for not for long if you keep making those calls. It was really funny. You're right. Yeah. That's, that's You're 100% exactly right. So, this yeah. is And this is the parody, right? Mike spoke on it. The NFL is all about parody. Teams that couldn't get it done last year, can they get it done this year? This Vikings team is not all that different. Outside of head coach and a couple of free agents that weren't like headliners, right? We did not trade for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. We signed a couple of quality free agents. And what are you getting out of it? You're getting wins in the close moments that we couldn't get wins in last year. You're getting kickers making kicks in moments they couldn't convert in last year. You're getting a much better third down percentage. You're getting a defense that is good inside of two minutes of the half and the end of the ball game. The Vikings took a look at all of their glaring holes and plugged them and said, okay, with the same roster, can we run it back? And they are proving that they can. What do you, um, this is kind of a side question, but about the NFL. So we always have different eras. Like I think it was you and I were discussing the wildcat era like recently. And it's like, what is this era right now? Like, I mean, what will we look back on and say, like, what's the big trend right now? And then I have a second part after that. I think the era in foot, the era in football that we are in right now, more than anything. And this one will probably be one of the shorter ones is understanding situational football because defenses have limited the big play over the last two years more than any other time in football. I've not heard that. That's interesting. So think about it, even dating back to Moss and Culpepper. You could get a guy open 60 yards down the field. and it, you know, That's not, what Moss did. Not, I mean, that's in a way what he really ushered in that era. Yeah, yeah and not, not at will necessarily, mm-hmm. but if, it, if you needed it, you could try it. Yeah. Defenses are daring you to beat them underneath right now. Find a guy that can catch the ball and grab the extra yard. Look at all of the most successful receivers in the league right now. They're all yak yards after catch. Monsters. Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, all of them because it's going to come down to situational football. Can you make the right choices at the right times and give yourself a chance to be in position to win? Do you believe that a coach coaching in the NFL now has – more or less impact than NFL coaches in the um, early 90s? More. More? Yeah. Or, okay, do schemes have more or coaches? Oof. I think it's a, I think it's a coin flip. Yeah. Because yeah. if you have a coach that doesn't have a great scheme, a.k.a. Nathaniel Hackett, or if you have a great scheme that doesn't have a great coach, AKA Matt Rule. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You got to have both. You got to have a guy that's a good coach with a good scheme and he's got to understand who he's got in the building. 
What's the most important attribute that a coach needs in the NFL today? This would be a great question for Mike, who is a coach of football teams. Um, but for me, I think it's composure. Okay. That's sort of what I was driving or what I'm yeah. wondering is, is it composure, consistency, you know, that stuff? Or is it, um, cause uh-huh. it, it like, to me, when we look back at this era, I feel like this is the true start of the players era, right? We're like, yeah, it could be all of a sudden, like the players really do have control, you know? And I think that's going to continue to trend that way for yeah. at least a while. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I wonder if, it's like we are going away from authoritarians, right? To the guys yeah. who, hey, he's just one of the guys. We like him because we like we follow him because we like him. Yeah, and we respect him. Yep. you know, yeah. Steve Kerr, NBA, right, right. right. Kevin O'Connell, I, I'm not going to obviously toss Kevin O'Connell into that mold, right? But KOC was there when Tom was having all that success with the Patriots. Yeah, kind of like Kerr was there when he when Jordan was having all that success in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He came in. He managed a lot to Golden State, managed a lot of big egos. Or actually, we could go a step further. Kevin O'Connell was in was on the Rams roster. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, um, you know, uh, Bobby Wagner, Vaughn Miller, all of these big personalities learned how to manage it as an assistant, took over as a head coach, managed a lot of big personalities as a head coach. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Now you've got Justin Jefferson. Uh, you've got guys like Zadarius Smith. Daniil Hunter is an elite talent who's in a contract year this year. You bring in Dalvin Tomlinson. And as a young head coach, brought in other coaches that have 10 times more experience than he does uh, so he can continue to develop. He's got all of the right intangibles and people in place to be a very successful NFL head coach. And you look at the Viking sideline. We talk composure. Have you seen the Vikings panic once this year? No. God, you love Kevin O'Connell. Yes. It's just, it's really just palpable. You know, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm a player apologist, right? You've said yes, it you up and you've said it up. We've said it for weeks. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell's He'll a former see you player. Well in this business, but yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. So um, that's what we got on uh, the Minnesota Vikings, Gabe. Any closing thoughts? I want to say for the audience, real quick, because as I say, he's a player's apologist but what i really want to be clear about is that it is natural to him this is not a pose no. it's just that's why i'm why it's amusing to me because it's, it's not i've never met someone who just naturally is so um a defender of them so yeah anyway um i see him as kind of petulant millionaire babies but um but anyway they're there yeah. to do a job man yep they're there to do a job no so. i get it um, from uh, the purple and gold to the maroon and gold. We've got some gopher news, some good, some bad. Where would you like to start? Let's see. So, well, I guess let's start with the good news. All right. The good news would come out of Golden Gophers basketball game. Did you see the alert that dropped earlier this week? No, I did not. Ben Johnson and the Minnesota Gophers signed the 13th highest ranked prospect in the country in Seven foot three big man Dennis Evans. Um, Seven foot three. That's a massive signing. Why from Riverside, California? Why would he come here? I honestly, I don't know. I would love right. to ask him personally, but I think this is part of the culture shift that Minnesota basketball has been trying to implement. Like we've had some good players over the last few years. But we haven't had the ones that'll get us over the top, right? We've been missing a piece. We've been missing a rebounder, a rim defender. We've been, you know what I mean? Like, 
the Gophers seem like a team that when you get to March Madness should be winning games. Maybe not winning championships, but winning games. And they've been missing the bracket entirely or getting bounced in the first game. And with uh, Ben Johnson taking over and the shift in culture that they want to do, the word on the street is that they have been burning up the recruiting trails, trying to get their hands on any and everybody that they can get in front of. And it's all about volume. If you get out in front of that many kids and you're that passionate about your program, somebody's going to buy. This kid bought in. To me, a seven foot three college player, mm. like that is like ride that shit. You know, if he's decent. Taco like Fall was like seven foot four, four, seven foot five, and he almost took out Zion Williamson and that Duke team. Right. So the other part of this is now you can use, not necessarily use, but you can leverage him as a recruiting chip for classes to come. Of course. This could be the start of something that is very, very big and super crucial for Minnesota men's basketball. Super big. Let's just examine Just I got to revisit this for a second, though. Why would he come here? I don't know. Like, he must be big at, like, cross-country skiing (laughs) or ice. I've seen a lot of seven-footers out there on the... On the trails. Yeah. Uh, ice fishing. Who knows? Um, with NIL. And, women. With, you know what I would love to hear? With NIL and stuff in place now, I would love to know what his NIL looks like for the golfers. God, it makes me like him as an independent thinker, right? Like, like yeah. that he's not. Think of the pressure on him to go to any of the big schools, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's really cool that he's able to. I mean, of course, it goes in our favor. I'd yeah. be saying he's a fucking idiot if he went somewhere else. But. I'm I'm impressed. I I am too. And you know what? Pro, uh, t- tops off, hats off to the Minnesota staff for getting this done. Who's our head coach? Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. Hats off to him and his entire staff because this is it's Minnesota has good in-state basketball talent. Maybe because it's cold all year long and we spend a lot of time in the gym, but we can't seem we haven't had the opportunity to retain Terrell Suggs or Chet Holmgren or some of the like top level prospects that are coming out of Minnesota. Now you have a chance. You get a guard that's really good that comes out of Minnesota in the next two years, and you can go, come on, I got a big man that's going to make you look really good in the pick and roll. I got a big man that's going to help you win NCAA uh, March Madness games. You know what I mean? Like this literally could be the catalyst that changes the direction of men's basketball in Minnesota. Have you watched that dude? Like, have you watched any tape yet? I have not. I know he's part of the USA team, or he was a USA alternate. Okay, he's not just tall. No, he's talented. Wow. Four-and-a-half-star recruit. Some people have him listed as a four-star. Some people have him listed as a five-star. I will watch some tape um, and try to figure out what the strength of his game and stuff is. But this is big. Mm -hmm. This cannot be understated. Absolutely cannot. Love it. That's great. Um, so from the mighty now crash rise, it down. Yep, yeah. from the mighty rise of the Gophers basketball program to the inevitable fall of the football program, I'm calling for the gallows on PJ Fleck. Ooh, I like this because I've never liked his uh, what I think is fake uh, positivity shit. I, you know what, he would he'd be amazing as a motivational speaker. He can't coach football. He can't hire coaches that know how to coach football. If he could. We have the most veteran team in college football right now. And I'm sorry, a 23, a 24, a 25-year-old are stronger and smarter than a bunch of 18-year-olds that play at Alabama. Yeah. Yes. Huge difference. We should be a contender in the Big Ten this year at the minimum. But then you wind up with these games where you get Purdue 
at or on the road, and it's not even close. And then you go to Illinois in a crucial game. This is the one that's going to hang your season in the balance. You know, your season hangs in the balance, and you get walked. It's, it's every year. They play these cupcake teams. They get on this cupcake schedule. They look really good, and then they run into real talent. And the, the, it's not like the players are getting outplayed, but we're getting outcoached. And then you can see, because we're getting outcoached in big moments where people are paying attention, it affects recruiting down the line. Guys don't want to come play here. Right. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm done with PJ Fleck. I'm out on the entire staff. You got to go get somebody new. You got to go get somebody that knows how to recruit, that has ties to a bigger program. And Nick Saban, hand him the keys, especially with NIL being available. Whatever they want, give it to them. We got to get some solid recruiting classes and pretty much we're going to have to work down to the studs. If Minnesota Gopher fans think that this thing is going to be good looking next year, good luck. We got a bunch of 26 year olds. 25-year-olds, 24-year-olds on this team that have been here way longer than they should have been because of the COVID year, and all of them are leaving after the end of the season. So the program's going back to freshmen and sophomores. You're going to have to recruit your ass off this offseason. Huh. Uh, interesting thing. I, I'm just looking at some Gophers news, seeing if there's any updates, but uh, it says that if um, Tanner Morgan can't play, which it sounds like he he should be able to make it back, but they're not sure. Yeah, that we have a, a what is it? A freshman guns gunslinger, yeah. but yep. they're calling him a gunslinger, and you know Farvask and yeah. Mahomes ask, oh, yeah. and a bunch of the they have a bunch of player interviews where they're like excited for this kid to play. Yeah, but he's a freshman, right? But it's interesting, and he did so. not look good at Illinois oh, when Tanner okay. Morgan went out. Yeah, and he not only that. His first legitimate start then would be at Penn State for Penn State's homecoming. Their whiteout is one of the most ruckus college environments that you're going to get. Hmm. And we're going to them for his first start. Not, It's not even going to be a competition. Not hmm. even going to be close. Well, you just threw water on that. Thanks. Sorry. It's all right. Like That's I said, truth. I'm the most real Minnesota sports personality you're going to get. It's time to be done with P.J. Fleck. We all just need to agree with that. That's all I got. You got anything else on the Gophers? I actually have a question that's been nagging me because I didn't want to ask this and sound dumb, but now I just can't think of it. So who is our backup quarterback for the Vikings? Uh, Nick Mullins. Who the hell is that? What the fuck, man? Nick Mullins was a backup quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. We're fucked. If Kirk goes down, yeah, but Kirk has proven right. to be one of the more durable quarterbacks in the NFL over the last, like, eight years. So That's good. He doesn't miss a lot of games. Knocking on wood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so from uh, Minnesota Gophers football over to even more depressing, Minnesota Wild Hockey. I didn't think I would be sitting here saying that this week. I, they have looked that's terrible, awful, bad. They are on pace right now, and I know we're only three games in, and we square off against Vancouver tonight, but Gabe, we are on pace to break the goal, uh, most goals allowed in a regular season record by 100 goals. Oh, man, I'm glad Mike's not here so we don't have to talk about that goalie. Yeah, me too. But the defense has been bad. The transition offense has been bad. We've been sluggish. This team right now reminds me a ton of what you saw out of the Cincinnati Bengals in the first like two weeks of the NFL season. 
a good, a team that was surprisingly good and very youthful last year that came into games this year just expecting to be in every game. That's what I was going to say. It really feels like just a letdown type thing, right? Where, where you know, where they just thought they earned it exactly like you say. Yeah. Yeah. We no. arrived. Everybody should, you know, be scared of us. Nobody's going to be scared of you. Well, I'll say this, though. Teams like that, we've seen it over and over. When they do, if they can engage quick enough and figure it out, they right. can put it together and make a charge. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an 82-game it season, yeah. right? Like, there are adjustments that can be made. Bill Guerin is also one of the most wise individuals in the league when it comes to making moves, right, as far as making trades to improve the roster throughout the season. Um, if the goalie continues to be a problem, would it be uh, super surprising to see him address that? No. Right. So I'm not going to hit the panic button yet, but this definitely needs to change quickly for the Minnesota Wild. Um, they have a chance to right the ship for their upcoming games um, at home tonight against Vancouver, who is 0-3-1, should be able to win that game. Then we go on the road to play to take on uh, Boston, who's 3-1-0 currently, and then Montreal, who's 1-2. So... Gabe, what do you think we should be looking at as like a benchmark over the next couple of weeks for the Minnesota Wild? <laughs> been having fun with the green smoke effect. You're such Make a it look child. like you farted. You're such I'm a child. sorry, but yeah, um, I, w- I mean, I was cracking up. So I'm sorry. What did you ask me? Because I was laughing there, but I, I was listening to everything up to that. I yeah. was just laughing to that. Moment. They've got three games coming up, mm-hmm. you know, against a bad Vancouver team, a, an okay Boston team who are three and one at this point, and then a Montreal team who's one and two. What should be the benchmark? Like, what should be the expectation for the Wild over the, you know, before next Thursday when we get back? Well, if it's been that much of a letdown, I gotta say two and three. Two, uh, I know that's like Van. Oh, we'd be at two and four then. But two yeah. and four, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you said three games. But uh Well, we're 0 yeah. and three right now. Okay. With three games coming up. So six in total. How good is Vancouver right now? Not very. They're 0 3 and 1. Okay, good. It seems like we've we get our fucking shit pushed in from Vancouver all the time. And we're getting that game at home, by the way. Okay. So you have to win that game. Yeah, yeah. Especially since you started the season with three home games and got piss pounded in all three of them. Um, for the um the points that we've been letting up. Yeah. Do you attribute that more to the goaltending or the scheme defense kind of thing overall? I think it's team play. Okay. Last year, the last year the Wild were really good in transition defense, poking pucks away and then kind of getting into open spaces in transition. We're not seeing that same type of success this year. Um, so I think that's what needs to be cleaned up for the Wild. Um, once we clean that up, if it persists, then we would look at the goalie, right? You can't go right to the, the net, right? Because the goalie is the last line of defense. Yeah. It's like a safety in football. If your safeties are getting burned, how bad are your corners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And, th- and that's that's exactly was my question, is that how much of this do you put on the goalie, I guess, is kind of what I was trying to think. But, yeah. Um, and name, name another – name, and I told Mike this because Mike obviously in game one messaged me and was like, oh, I'm so glad we kept this goalie. And I was like, listen – a guy of Mike Mark Andre Fleury's age, right? Name another guy of his age and ilk that comes out guns a blazing. Yeah, no, I, I think this never is actually do. a natural letdown. Yeah, for a young team, I, I really don't see. Just like the Vikings having hiccups to start with. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I mean, I wouldn't 
whatever. It's not the time to be alarmed here. Right. When, you know, when, when, when Brady came out all those years, when he got older with the Patriots and he went two and three, nobody was like, sound the fire alarm. Everybody was like, it's Brady. He'll figure it out. Right. Mark Andre Fleury's a first ballot Hall of Fame goalie. He'll figure it out. Right. He'll figure it out. Um, so that's my take on the Minnesota Wild. Let me know how you guys are feeling about the state of hockey's. I was just going to start watching. I mean, I feel pissed <laughs> off to hear this. Like, I seriously was, uh, whatever. I, we bought a jersey. I know. We didn't have a Wild jersey in here last year. Right. I, it's probably hard for him to play with Putin's thugs having guns against his family's family. temple back there. <laughs> yeah, no like, joke. yeah. I oh. mean, for real, like it, that must be real um, stressful, like in a genuine way. I wonder if they're protecting him from media too. Ah, good, to not hey, say good question. Good question. Also, that's why I see. said we needed to build Little Russia and like International Falls for mm-hmm. just no need to go back now. Take it, bring his whole family over. Right. Operate that way. Um, we're kind of riding the roller coaster. So massive lows for the Minnesota Wild. Upswings for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They tipped off last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder and uh, looked Real good. Looked real good. Cat had seven assists in the first half. Look at the big man sharing the basketball. Like, genuinely impressed because Anthony Edwards had a tough time finishing last night. And I'm just kind of caveat on that for a second. I think that's going to be a big adjustment for his game this year. Anthony Edwards is used to getting to the lane and not having anybody in there because Cat doesn't rebound. He usually pulls the big man out to the perimeter. And there's not a whole lot of traffic in there. Um, last night, it seemed with the extra bodies in the paint, he did struggle to finish a little bit. But I'm sure with his talent level and his ability around the rim, he'll adjust. Um, but yeah, he had an off night. Cat played really well. D'Lo looked great in a spot-up shooting role. I liked the way that McDaniels played, um, swinging the ball around to get to the open shooter consistently. Um Cat looked good from range. Cat looked good on the drive. Pick and roll is obviously heavily a part of the offense. Now, there will be people in the comment section that are immediately going to go, they were up by almost 20, and then they made it a one-possession game to start the fourth quarter. Well, first of all, it's first game of the year. Second of all, when's the last time the Wolves were that good where they had to worry about protecting a 20-point lead? It's not consistent. You're going to have to learn to sustain those um, and what rotations to have out there. OKC made good adjustments as well. Um, but the important part, much like the Vikings down the stretch, the, the guy that we brought in and Rudy Gobert in the last two minutes affected or blocked or tipped or whatever on four of the final seven attempts for the Oklahoma city thunder. And then got us out in transition and re-separated us did exactly what we needed him to do. And the Viking or the, the wolves came away with a win. I was impressed. I was impressed. Who was uh, you? You bring up an interesting point to me, or interesting thought. Yeah. Did Edwards? Who is his big in college that he played with? Don't know. I can't think. Like I, I don't I think don't, he had one. It yeah, was pretty he, much just him at Georgia doing his thing. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, if this is, uh, you know, when you think of it from his perspective, new year where all of a sudden, you know, he had underdog status last year. Well, I mean, he's never played in a system where there's going to be a big in the paint. Cat right. consistently pulls bodies out of the paint to get perimeter jump shots, and he doesn't rebound. Um, Vanderbilt would come flying in to get those rebounds last year, but he wasn't his guy wasn't standing in the paint, right? Mm-hmm. So now not only is there going to be the defensive body, but there is an art to working around your own guy, like working around Gobert, who's going to be under the rim. 
right? So that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just wonder, like, um, I'm actually, you. I'm truly getting excited to watch this team now, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because I want to see how he plays in that scenario. Like, I don't even know his skill set as far as if he's, yeah. like, if taking it to the rim is his best. Oh, yes. I mean, that that is yeah. his best skill. Okay. He posterizes people on, right. on, on with an open lane. Like, there was a dunk last year where he almost jumped over a Miami Heat player. And, and I saw that. Um, and I've seen um, a bunch of the dunks and stuff. I guess I just haven't watched enough deep game stuff to know if he can, yeah. you know, when he penetrates, can he kick it out really yeah. well? I mean, okay. he has he has some court. There are parts of his game that are definitely developing. And I think him kicking out on some of those drives are what me and Mike were talking about last week. The one piece of his game that I think isn't fully developed, I think there's two of them, is his range from three, like outside of shooting from the corner. And his ability to initiate offense, right? When you're initiating the offense, like LeBron, a lot of times you're in a pick and roll, you're driving, and then you got to keep your eyes up. Who's going to be available? That is the part that I think is the next evolution for him as he moves forward that will lead to team success, right? He's going to be able to find success no matter what because of his physical traits. Team success is going to come from, okay, can he get the other guys involved on a consistent basis? Like Cat did a phenomenal job about that last night. Watching Cat and Rudy Gobert in a pick and roll, by the way, is terrifying. They're both seven feet tall. You know what I mean? So like Cat's obviously above the defenders and has a little bit better vision. Anthony Edwards doesn't have that advantage. So something that we're definitely going to have to learn. What do the Wolves need? So first of all, could this team as is, win an NBA championship. Yes. Really? As is? Yeah. I was not prepared for that answer. Uh, me and Mike said it. The win total, Vegas's win total for the Wolves was 50 this year in an 82-game season. I get that, but it's such a difference between, right? you know, winning the championship. How, how do they match up with, you know, with Golden State or, who, you know, whomever you yeah. think is that, like, what's the... Who who do we fear the most in playoffs? Would you say to match up with? Who in the Western Conference? It would probably be the Warriors and the Clippers. But even last year, before Gobert, the Wolves had the 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 Warriors' number. Like they, we beat them a few times last That's year. They didn't care about us, though. Maybe, but like the Clippers, I think are the team that would scare the scare me the most because they're the most like the Wolves, and I think they have the one thing that we miss, which is a true lengthy secondary scorer. I like Cat. An ant, but I would take Paul George and a healthy Kawhi Leonard over the two that we have, right? I think if the Clippers are healthy, their point guard is also better. I would take Reggie Jackson over D'Angelo Russell. Mr. October, absolutely. What um, if you play GM for the Wolves? Who's the one piece that we could get where you say, oh, we're a, we're a favorite for the championship or whatever in that conversation? We need an absolute sniper from three. Like somebody who is anyone out there you can think of. I think that's what we're trying to get out of Austin Rivers. I think that was the attempt in acquiring him from Denver. Um, off the top of my head, I I can't. And with the with the amount of draft picks that we've depleted at this point, it's just going to have to be a developmental thing. Maybe right? like Dan Marley has a son out there or something. <laughs> Right? <laughs> we can go get Bull Bull. I love, you know, yes. 
I'm okay. <laughs> Add some more length. Yeah. But yeah, I think the 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 Wolves are in a good spot. They're going to run it with the roster they have. You know, when we talk about like three point the three point line, which is where we sit, where our only limitation is, I think scoring wise, can D'Lo become a spot up three point shooter? Can McDaniel's develop a consistent three point stroke from the corner? Can Anthony Edwards improve from three point from where he was at last year? Cat's already a good three point shooter. Austin Rivers is a decent three point shooter. Um, McLaughlin isn't terrible from out there. Kyle Anderson isn't terrible, and he's the forgotten piece in this right now. I think the Wolves are in a great spot. I'm telling you, 54 wins for this team in a home playoff series. They're going to be the four seed in the West. That's awesome, man. Let's go to games with them. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Uh, un- unfortunately, they're good, so they're not going to be nearly as cheap this year. Right, right. Well, I know uh, a lot of strippers, and they get <laughs> broke people problems. Okay, yeah. broke people yeah. problems. So uh, I think that's all we have for the uh, Minnesota Sports Roundup. Yep. So let us know what you guys think about your Minnesota sports teams in the comment section below on Facebook or possibly on YouTube. Um, and uh, we'll get Gable, toss them up on the screen here and we will get back to you live. Otherwise I will respond to you after the show in the comment section. Um, and we can move right along to the headlines for the NFL in week six. And uh, I was having an interesting conversation, Gabe, with a, uh, a buddy of mine earlier this week, and we were talking about commitment and he was talking about relationships, right? The more success you have in anything in life, the more committed you have to be to stay successful, right? Um, yes. Because the pressure ratchets up. Would you agree with that? Oh, I mean, 100%. So I mean, the, yeah. the NFL being the, the apex of pressure and, and, and success for NFL players, coaches, organizations, owners, television deals, everything. Commitment sometimes, or maybe more often than not, I think is the separating factor for a lot of teams. And I'm going to use Brady as a jumping off point here. We talked about it last week with him and Giselle. That's a distraction. He's got the TB12 clothing brand. He has filmed two documentaries over the last 12 months. How good are the Bucks right now? What? Two? Two. Man in the Arena. And then he did one uh, running back his last year um, with the Patriots as well. Um, with Edelman and Gronk and a couple He's of other way players. Up his own ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So do you think Brady's 100% committed to football this year? Especially. It's impossible. He missed 11 days in training camp. He missed a Saturday walkthrough for the first time in his career this last week. As a guy who's gone through a divorce. And, it's impossible. And it wasn't to Giselle either. That's got to be another level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> another level more painful. No, I mean, you know, for real. that that There's no way you can focus on your thing in the same way. And then and now you see there's a tangible difference in how the Buccaneers are operating this year. Okay, so let's... The, you put that in a vacuum and you can say, oh, but the Brady's Brady. He'll figure it out, right? Let's look at some other teams around the league that aren't committed, to further my point. Is Green Bay 100% committed to Aaron Rodgers after two years of I might retire or leave the franchise? I don't think so. Certainly not. How good do they look right now? They just lost to the Giants in London and to the Jets in Lambeau. That's not great. Okay, how about Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury? You think those two after the contract dispute and the owner having to install a study clause, which was then redacted, <laughs> and Kyler had to do a press conference and D-hop suspension and all these other things, you think Kyler and Cliff are 100% committed to each other? Right. They're not looking all that great either. I called that at the beginning of the season. 
Okay, how about um, the uh, – sorry. How about uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr? After those comments came out about, oh, you're going to keep that motherfucker and Josh McDaniel shows up, Tom Brady's boy in Vegas, you are, are you, we 100% sure they're committed to one another? Well, they're one in four. That's not great. How about Baltimore and Lamar? Baltimore has been a really good team, especially in clutch situations, close ball games over the last couple of years. This year, we see fourth quarter problems, and instead of them being what they're usually what, five and two or six and one or somewhere around there, they're three and three and they look bad in big spots. Lamar's got a contract uh, dispute out there. How about the Colts and Matt Ryan, the rent a quarterback with Frank <laughs> Wright? They don't look great. They look disjointed on offense, and the defense is what's keeping that team afloat. So just a couple of examples of teams that aren't committed. Okay, well, let's not focus on the negative. Let's talk about the teams that are committed. How about Philly and Jalen Hurts? Everybody came into the season this year and said, we're not 100% sure if Jalen Hurts is the guy. Philadelphia did not say that. They put his face on T-shirts in training camp, and they're undefeated. How about KOC and Kirk Cousins? Kirk isn't a great quarterback. He can't win in big moments. KOC came out and said, and Kwesi said, we're committed to Kirk. Kirk leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks over the last two years or year and a half, give or take. A lot of that coming this year. Um, how about the Chargers and Justin Herbert? They got Keenan Allen out. They lose their left tackle. Um, uh, Khalil Mack was, missed a game. J.C. Jackson didn't start the, the season together. Nobody really believes in, in Brandon Staley, who's the head coach, but they seem to be in every single ballgame. They believe in Justin Herbert. The Titans and Derrick Henry. Now, this one's a little different because it's not a quarterback, but they believe in that system. No matter how many points they're down in a ballgame, you better believe they're going to run the football. They're committed to that formula. And they're right back at the top, fighting for the top of the division now after a very ugly start to the year. Brian Dable and the New York Giants. We had a million questions about Daniel Jones, and a lot of people had counted him out coming into a final year of a contract that they, that they did not pick up the option on in New York. Dayball said, yeah, Daniel Jones is our guy this year. The Giants are 5-1. and one. Last but not least, how about Seattle and Pete Carroll? They traded away Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll traded away Cam Dantzler and Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and got rid of Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright and uh, the Bennett twins throughout the course of his career. Pete Carroll and Seattle have been committed to each other, and they're getting it done at 3-3 three and three with Geno Smith. Commitment matters. That is what it's going to come down to this year. When I said situational football, it's going to be who's most committed to the task in crunch time. That's how I will look at the remainder of this NFL season. Gabe, do you think that this has any validity? I hate to do this to you. What is it? I just, uh, you know, I do. I'm just... I just see through you. It's easy. Um, mm. No, no. I'm, I actually, I of course I agree with that to a large extent. But we are discounting a little thing called what? What about players on contract years? Lamar's on a contract year. But sure, I mean that's 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 an example. Yep. But I'm saying you can go through lists and find many you know who had great contract years. Sure, um, Joe Mauer from town here, right? Like I mean. The, yeah. That does exist, but I think the difference is is the mentality in mm-hmm. a sense, right? Is because they're going for commitment. That's all. That's all anyone wants. Yeah, is commitment and to be believed in and to be you know trusted and all that stuff. So for sure. I mean, I, I I mean, I totally agree with you. I wouldn't. 
say that, but there are just too many instances of people who get motivated by that sort of um, dismissal. But I think a quarterback versus or uh, in the NFL, I can't think of a great example. Maybe you can, you know, of someone who played great quarterback over the whole season with the um, sword hanging over his head. You know, that'd be interesting to kind of dig into that. Like Brock Osweiler. Yeah. yeah. And then he went to Houston and sucked. You know what I mean? So like, I get, I get, I get what you, I get where you're coming from. There are going to be plenty of instances out there where um, individuals are in contract years and are playing well. A lot of times those guys aren't touching the ball every snap. And I think their mindset is just like, I'm getting this. You know, they're not doubting it. Where this commitment thing that you say, where that really creeps in, is if any player has self-doubt for a moment. Yeah. Right? Just a momentary lapse um, in that. And it's – how about the 49ers this year? Because they they didn't do a big Another great example. Yeah. Another great example. Are the Niners 100% committed to Jimmy G? No, oh, they have I was going to say Lance. Trey Lance. Yeah. <laughs> no, they have Trey Lance. They well, lost, no, I, yeah. And they lost to the Atlanta Falcons last week. The Atlanta Falcons and Art Smith 100% committed to Marcus Mariota with a rookie quarterback with college success on the bench, and they beat the Niners. Yeah. No, it matters. About, I mean, it matters you have a ton. To be, and maybe, maybe this is a better way to put it. You have to be committed to one another. Yeah. There has to be a belief, a mutual belief in one another. And I think at any point that it is lopsided, you start to lose control of the ship. NFL, more than any sport, is reliant on each other. It's a family game, yeah. right? You know, yep. and it's like, you know, ask yourself how you do if your wife says like, hey, you know, I'm not really sure about this. I'm going to play the field a little bit. But, yeah. you know, but I like you. I hope it works out. But I'm going to go on a date with this guy tonight. <laughs> you know? Bye. Yeah, exactly. It's going to break. I mean, it'll implode, you know, within weeks. So, or whatever. It depends on how much of a cuckold you are. But yeah. So, yeah, I think you got teams that will rise to the top this year will be teams that are incredibly committed to one another. Last example I'll give is the Los Angeles Rams last year. They lost four straight ball games and almost the division lead at the end of the regular season last year. At that point they were bringing in Odell Beckham and they were bringing in Von Miller and Von Miller had a conversation with Aaron Donald that says, you are the leader of this team. Everybody believes in you. You need to believe in us kind of thing. Lead the, lead the pack. That conversation happened. The commitment switch was flipped and they went on to win a Super Bowl. Pretty convincing, convincingly might I add. It's all about who's committed to each other. So at the end of the season, ask yourself when the playoff rosters or when your team loses a game, ask yourself, how committed is this team to one another? before you start placing blame certain places. Now, there might be a weak link in the chain, a.k.a. Aaron Rodgers, that needs to be fixed in certain organizations or eliminated or whatever you want to call it. But it's all about commitment to the cause. To me, that's that's the key, though, is that because I believe that most people, I don't know, maybe not most, but anyone who's somewhat sophisticated in their thought knows how important that is, right? But when do you make that choice how, you know, how far do you let the shit go downhill before you go, okay, I, I know I've been saying that I believe in you, but I don't really. Yeah. And, or, you know, anymore. And then all of a sudden that coach, all of a sudden his confidence, his family dynamic is all bullshit. Yeah. Right. Because they see that. It, it's really fascinating as oh, yeah. far as a psychological thing. 
I can see why teams switch coaches more often just because I can see coaches getting in a, it's all too convoluted now. You yeah. know, people don't believe me. It's, you know, it's too hard to save. Got to hit, hit the reset button. Yep. Yeah. So that's what I have on, on commitment. And then uh, from a guy from commitment to a guy getting ready to commit to a new team. It's almost Odell time game. Huh? Yeah. So Odell Beckham, a guy that if we rewind the clock, got out of Cleveland, got to Los Angeles, got into the playoffs, successful, got into the Super Bowl, and was going to make Cooper Cup an afterthought. The runaway MVP candidate in the Super Bowl last year, tears his ACL, and everybody was immediately going, all right, well, what's next for Odell? We're going to have to figure that one out. And there is a lot of teams out there where he looks like he would make a great fit right now. Um, as he gets ready to return for what's going to be another playoff push, because if we're Od- if we're Odell and we're in, or or we're looking at Odell's situation, what does he want at this point in his career? What can maybe Attention. what what's maybe going to make him a Hall of Famer? More rings, more more big catches and big moments. So you're you got to be going to a team with cap space that has a decent quarterback that has a decent head coach, and that's going to be in the playoffs. That narrows the window down quite a bit. The Rams obvious are evidently either through public media negotiations where Odell's bluffing, trying to get more money out of them, or the Rams legitimately haven't make it, made a legitimate offer that Odell respects, and now he's looking elsewhere. It doesn't look like he's headed back to the Rams. So, Gabe, let's let's run through some of the teams uh, that we he might go to, and why don't you tell me, yeah, yay or nay on if you'd want to see him there. Um, the first one at the top of my list was the Dallas Cowboys. Oh man. It's so I don't think he would choose. Well, I don't know. Maybe what, so I, I don't think he'd choose it because of the quarterback thing. Right. Possibly, you know, but with the star on the side the of the star, helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And even the attention, like oh, yeah. the stage, the, I, I can, and they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent going to make the playoffs. But does that matter to him? If you don't have someone who can really get you the ball, you know, gr- you know, I mean, in the playoffs. He doesn't he, want to go there to lose. Is he going to see single coverage? Yeah, because they have CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. Is he going to see double coverage, which is going to open up other receivers, if he does well, for CeeDee Lamb and others to have success? Absolutely. But and I think every team that goes defense. to the playoffs, that'll be the case. Yep. So Dallas would be one of them. Uh, how about Minnesota? I wanted to shoot that one at you big time. Um, because I say, hell no. I say, hell yes. Really? Absolutely. Why risk the chemistry? So we have yep. an because we have an LSU locker room, and that's where Odell's from. Okay. Neil Hunter, Patrick Peterson, Justin Jefferson, um, I think one or two others, all from LSU, and that's a tight knit group down there. But there's no LSU people who are above him. Not, mm. you know what I mean? He's still gonna, he's still Odell Beckham. He's gonna think he supersedes everything, and I can just see. The risk. Now, yeah. if if you know the inside stuff, like if he's coming to you going, man, I want to be here. Yeah. LSU team, like, you know, we can do this. Yeah. Hey, that's another conversation. Well, but a great conversation to have surrounding the Minnesota Vikings is who was the man that had to manage Odell's ego midseason last year oh. in that offensive room? Oh, it would have been Kevin O'Connell, okay. our current head coach. So they have rapport. Did he manage that ego well? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. There, there no... were games. There were games where Odell was playing hurt for KOC. There were games where Odell wasn't getting the ball. Not a peep. Hmm. Well, I gotta say, okay. All right, you sold me. 
for real. I, I I didn't. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. Of so course. I think so. I think the Vi- the Vikings are a good one. How about Baltimore? Uh, if I were him, I wouldn't go. But um, they're they're missing a legitimate top weapon. They will be a playoff team by the end of the year. And especially if you're if you're Baltimore, going if you're trying to mend fences at all with Lamar Jackson, going and getting Odell. Probably not a bad idea. What was the first team you said again? Dallas. Yeah. Or you can play in Dallas or Minnesota where it's inside, like catching the ball and everything like that with quarterbacks who can, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, who can get it up to you. I mean, I I will say as much as I despise Kirk Cousins, Mm. he is good. You know, that's the type of dude you want to throw in your Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Two more. Okay. Buffalo. Why not? Uh, he had a teammate that he came in with around the same time last year in Von Miller who played in L.A. and they won a Super Bowl together. Where's Von Miller playing currently Yeah, Bills. in Buffalo for a real good football team? And a real good quarterback. And a super good quarterback. But. Cold weather. Going to catch the ball in fucking Buffalo. That's tough. That's tough. I it, think he's more likely to find an indoor team yeah. than people would like to admit. Think of the difference from when you played, right? Like, yeah. I mean, doing the it is a profound difference. Oh, yeah. Your numbers get, I mean, well, a especially big a guy that is a little older now that has had numerous lower body injuries. Do you want to be playing stiff or do you want to go somewhere warm and play where you can play loose and have to worry yeah. a little bit less about the injury thing? Yeah. That's why I take Green Bay off the list immediately. Immediately, I take Green Bay off the list. I don't care how good Aaron Rodgers is. If I'm Odell Beckham, I'm not playing in minus 12 in Lambeau in week 16. You know what, though? There's something that's compelling to me from his perspective. Just that, you know, you can make the case that Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, in the GOAT conversation, right? I mean, he's not because of Tom Brady. but And I can see that Green Bay as a franchise, as much as we hate him, I can see that being a thing. Yeah. but yeah, but no, but still at the end of the day, you take Buffalo over Green Bay. Yeah. And you take the indoor things over over Buffalo, I think. Yep. Now there's one team that I think is a sleeper, and it's up on the screen right here uh, on the left-hand side. Chiefs, now a strong contender oh. to sign wide out Odell Beckham. Guess who just restructured his contact, contract in the middle of the season? At the, Mahomes? Nope. Okay. Travis Kelsey. Why did he do it? Maybe to Mahomes make cap, should have, right? maybe to make cap room mm-hmm. for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. Now, if there is one as good as the Chiefs are, and Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal, and Andrew Reid is a genius, the one thing that they miss right now is the ability to stretch the field. I like Sky Moore, the rookie that they drafted, who they're trying to put in in Tyreek Hill's mold, but he's not ready. Odell Beckham. As long as he can still run fast in a straight line and run the deep in the post, the comeback, and the go. We'll give Kansas City what they have been missing so far in the season, and I think would make them immediately the favorite to win the Super Bowl, even over Buffalo. I'm just sitting back here thinking about what a bad look that is on Mahomes that Kelsey is rescheduled. Like, for real. I think it is. I like, I mean, I think that doesn't, you know, if that were me and you. Oh, yeah. And we had some prospect we wanted to bring in. I took a pay cut, but you didn't. You, wouldn't you feel a little yeah, self-conscious? A little bit, a little you know, bit, like, bit, I mean, bit. so, I don't know. It's interesting, that's all. <laughs> a little bit, a yeah. little bit. But 
Where out of those teams? So we've got Dallas, Minnesota, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Kansas City. Who do you think is most likely to wind up with Odell Beckham based on the information I gave you? I mean, this sounds weird to say, but Minnesota almost feels like the best option. I mean, bring it on, Odell. Come back and see your offensive coordinator. The Rams' offense does not look the same without Kevin O'Connell. Does he have any connections at the Chiefs? Because Chiefs is actually my number two. I'm sure he's aware, has trained or caught right. passes with Patrick Mahomes or has been around Travis Kelsey. Uh, in the wide receiver room, there isn't really anything. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, not a whole lot there. I got one other variable here yeah. to throw in, which is that the difference at Minnesota that makes us – I mean, it should make him excited, Yeah, but I'm guessing maybe won't, which is that Jefferson is the number one for sure. And I yeah. know I know that Cup was you know there yep. last year, but at at Kansas City – he could step in and sort of be regarded as, you know, really like a savior and a big, you know, the big uh, weapon. I mean, you want to be the savior. How about come to Minnesota and bring this city its first championship ever? Yeah. You want to talk about narrative? What gets you into the Hall of Fame? Narrative. Yeah. Narrative gets you into the Hall of Fame. Julian Edelman has three or four Super Bowls. He's not getting in. Odell can get in with two if he brings one to Minnesota. He could retire after this year, and I'd punch his ticket. Has there been one rumor that you've seen where they bring up Minnesota? Yeah, look at the, look at the television. Viking signing Odell Beckham Jr. makes sense from numerous angles. But from, that's a Viking wire. It's from Vikings wire. It makes sense. It's true. Yeah, I, I I don't see anybody posting it. Right, like I'm not seeing right. a ton of people talk about it necessarily. But if we went with okay, what makes the most sense? Kansas City and Minnesota. Oh, I suck. Uh, there's a thing from 23 hours ago where Kelsey said that, you know, whatever. He put his vote behind Odell as like, yeah. you know, that's why he did that. Oh, yeah. Um, interesting. Packers may have opened. This is three hours ago. Packers may have opened the path for Odell Beckham Jr. to join them soon. Wouldn't even consider it if I'm Odell. I wouldn't either. I'm not even picking up the phone. No, me neither. Especially like one-dimensional team, too. I was going to say, that team's in bad shape right now. Yeah. Bad shape. He just lost to the Giants and the Jets. Odell's not fixing that. Right. <laughs> Come on now. Right. That's just putting too much on your fucking back. Jesus. Yeah. It's not 24-year-old Odell. He's almost 30. Ooh, hang on here. The Spun by Sports Illustrated. Just put Dark Horse team named possibility for Odell. This is 20 hours ago. Per Jug, Judd Zulgad, whose name I've heard a thousand times and I still yep. can't say it, um, says that several, yeah, that, uh, let's see, I give Odell so much credit. Whatever, that he's now actually named by NFL sources as a possibility to come here. Interesting. And yep, they brought up everything you just said LSU stuff. Um, and then KLC is, of course, the biggest thing. It's almost like I'm a credible thinker in the sports almost. world game. I'm so close. You're getting there. I'm getting there. I just need a cosign somewhere along the line. I wish uh, Vikings Wire would have cited you in their article. I wish anybody would cite me for my takes. That's true. Credit where credit is due. I give it to everybody else. I mean, Arrowhead Pride, Sports Illustrated, and Vikings Wire are on screen for me. All the tweets of other people that I put up. Ain't nobody want to come to me, sourcing <laughs> me. What's going on here? Commitment, right? We got to be committed to each other. 
Bucks is also the other outside team I'm seeing named. Yeah, I find that one to be a little hairy. That's a very busy wide receiver room already. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, uh, Scotty Miller. I think he has a hard time getting on the field, and it's going to be difficult to spread the ball around um, in that system with the offensive line being as bad as it is right now and Tom not being as committed as he normally is. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. All right, let's move on. Okay. You want to talk about Dan Snyder? Yeah, I do. I think he's cooked. Somebody finally broke ranks. Jim Ursay pretty much came out and said, yeah, there's plenty of grounds here for us to dismiss him. After This was after Dan Snyder came out and said, well, I've got dirt too, and I'll bury the rest of the league, which I don't think will happen. I do. I think this is what what is really, I think, uh, like a lot of things in life, there's people who make their public statements, and then there's what happens uh, between their ears, yeah. right? And when I look at NFL owners, and I, I can't even name off a ton of them, but I can name one really prominent one, yep. Jerry Jones. And, and I think if if in his mind they got to go, you mean this can be taken from me because I like chicks? You know, like, I mean, from their mindset, right? Like Jerry also is in cahoots with the television with with he's the one that does the TV deals for the NFL. And here's what I'll say to this. And we got to move on because we are running a little. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're over time um, is Jerry is pretty much going to have control, not necessarily, but. Gonna have a big say on how the narrative goes because he's the one that signs the TV deals for the NFL. If he wants the TV media to get behind just burying Dan Snyder, that's what they'll do. There's too much money that the NFL brings to these television networks to where there is not a replacement for them, to where I'm sure everybody else outside the NFL does not want to see the shield tarnished. And so, like it or not, for Dan Snyder, he's fucked. Yeah, but I got breaking news for you. What's up? In fact, a reporter is here just to cover my take. Okay. Um, it's that Jerry Jones is a sex pervert. Um, he, he abs. Oh, dude, Google him. Look at all that. He has more things to hide than Dan Snyder. And I'm telling you, these dudes Maybe. are not going to like the idea that you can. Every guy who's done scuzzy stuff doesn't like to bury other guys for right. doing the same stuff you're doing. That's what I'm saying. And I think it's just a higher hill to climb. I think that. Public opinion absolutely wants him out. I think they might even get him out eventually, but it's not as simple as as what it's looking like. I think possibly, possibly. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think in the comment section. We're going to sprint through uh, some of this other stuff. I always go long when I'm by myself because I don't have Mike here to check me on time. Well, I keep you. Yeah. Um, let's look at the NFL key games this week. Um, buzz through these real quick. Two real important ones that we do want to get to um, is going to be the Colts at the Titans. Um, first, that's going to be a noon game. Somebody's going to have to take this division. They're both sitting at three and two. Um, yep, there you go. They're yep. both sitting at three and two. It's going to be a battle of bad quarterbacks and stud running backs. Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill, not all that great. That's both a- of them on the way out. Gabe, you could beat them both up. I was going to say, it sounded like you made a, a good porn title or whatever. Bad quarterbacks and good running backs. <laughs> um, and, yeah, then Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Going to be a, a physical game, and I think this will have playoff implications. The way that division is playing right now, there's probably only one team that makes the playoffs, and this could be what decides it. So you will get playoff atmosphere uh, for at noon on Sunday, and then uh, moving from them over to Denver versus the Jets. Now, the Jets have looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. Denver hasn't looked good since last season. Well, 
before last season, two years ago. They're in trouble. They're in Denver, by the way. If New York marches into Denver with all those rookies and embarrasses Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett again, Nathaniel Hackett's getting fired. He has the hottest seat in the NFL. Damn it. I missed these comments from earlier. Sorry. Uh, all good. Uh, Terry Yates says Dak Prescott isn't good enough for him. However, it would open up a lot of possibilities having his talent on the other side of Gallup or Lamb. Good point. Thank you very much. Uh, Tim Jackson says why he is number one. He's the number one 20 passes a game. I don't know who he's referring to. Hmm. Would have to go back in the show. Tim, if you're still watching, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Um, Thank you guys for commenting in, by the way. We love doing these during the show. Um, Gabe is always a man with his hair on fire. I'm doing right like now. double duty back yeah. here today. Yeah, more um, so, yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, he he gets fired. Hottest seat in football. And if Hackett goes, Elway's next. I'm, I, I will beat this drum. There's Gabe knows there are certain circumstances where I sit back and I just, this is the way it's got to be. I beat the drum over and over and over again. And I've been pretty correct. Up to this point, I'm not always right, but I'm pretty close. Elway's the next one to go. Peyton is sitting right at this point is probably looking over his shoulder to run the front office of that team. If Peyton one day wants to be an owner, what better thing to put on your resume than to be the GM of the Denver Broncos? The owners aren't committed to either one of them. They inherited them when they bought the team, and they can flip this narrative whenever they want. That's what I got for Denver. Um, my picks for the game, I will take the Titans to beat the Colts. Um, they just seem like a tad bit more resilient team, and they are less limited on offense uh, than the Colts are. The Colts are literally Jonathan Taylor and an offensive line. Um, I don't know who they have at wide receiver. Their quarterback's awful, and their tight ends are below average. Um, so I will take the Titans in that game, and then I'm actually going to go ahead and take the Jets versus Denver. And then uh, – Nathaniel Hackett can get in line right behind P.J. Fleck for the Gallows next week. That's what we got. Uh, Now you want to cover UFC 280, Gabe? Yes, please. Let's cover just the the three main fights since we're running a little over. I was going to talk about the Sean Bradley fight and uh, the Gamrot fight. No need. Let's start with uh, Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Sean went over two weeks ago. Uh, and has been acclimating to the time change, uh, the climate, everything early. Peter Yan, I believe, came over two or three days ago. Um, who do you got in this fight, Gabe? Peter Yan. Peter Yan. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I, I mean, hey, I'll I'll say this. I've always thought that. Um, Sugar Sean. Sh- yeah, Sugar Sean. I always say Shane or Sean, but Sean whatever. Yeah. Um, I've always thought he's a bit of a hype show. Okay. Um, now he did kind of, you know, the last fight was really convincing. First one where I was like, okay, all right, he might yep. really be there. Now, if he wins this fight, I, I, I was wrong. He's an title contender. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was 100% wrong if that's the case. Yeah. Um, I don't see it happening. I, I think that the volume that Jan comes at, like his boxing and stuff, he's so... He's like, so fast. Yes. And so that's the whole be... thing about him being there early. It yeah. almost doesn't matter with Jan. Like, he can show up. He can roll out of bed and fight 
like at a frenetic pace. It yeah, seems like. I, he's a cardio king. I think yeah. Sean has some of that in him. We've seen him go three rounds multiple times. There is a little bit of a, there's some schematic things that I do want to mention here. Peter Yan, all of his last four or five fights have been five round fights. This is yeah. a three round fight. Big difference. Big difference. He can't come out and start slow. He cannot yes. because he won't have the he doesn't have as much runway to make that up if he does. The other thing is length is very difficult to deal with no matter how fast you are. And not only is Sean O'Malley long like Israel Adesanya is for his division, but Sean O'Malley's fast too. He's got great hands. He's a unique striker. He presents a lot of problems. So the question is going to be, is O'Malley smart enough? Is his fight IQ high enough to keep Peter Yan at arm's distance? That's OB, what Tim Jackson was talking uh, about. OB he was saying OBJ, probably because they throw the ball a lot. Oh, for sure. Saying, right? Yeah. But you can double cover him. Name another receiver the Packers have. That scares anybody right now. Well, they used to have... Um... Devontae Adams. <laughs> um, okay, so back to this. Yeah. O'Malley, I hear what you're saying about him being fast, but there's a difference between being um, a fast counter puncher yes. and being fast in a frenetic, energetic fight. For sure. And I don't know if he has that sort of quickness. Well, you I mean, know what he I mean? Can, he can pour it on. Yeah. Um, so it's this is going to be probably the best fight on the card. And I think, like, we will learn so much about him this fight. Yes. Because even, I even believe, and I, I have not read this yet, I haven't done my real, like, deep research on this one yet, which I'm, I'm sorry to say, but <laughs> that... Um, there's a thing that fighters do when they're stepping up, right? Where there's that little strategy some guys do where they step up so high yeah. to, to protect themselves, yep. you know, from a fall. Oh, for sure. And this reeks of that. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. But I think it's because there's some stagnancy at the top of the division. And this will kind of lead us into the the Sterling versus Dillashaw fight, right? Yeah. So if Peter Yan wins, are you immediately going to throw him back in there against Aljamain Sterling? after Aljamain Sterling dominated him on the ground yeah. for a third fight? Not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And even if Dillashaw beats Sterling, the next matchup is immediately D- uh, Dillashaw-Sterling 2. So Jan really doesn't have a place to go. That's why. That's how I think this fight materialized, right? There was, uh, Sean O'Malley said it. He was the only one inside the top 10 that did not have a fight booked because he doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. So Sugar Sean was like, you know what? Now or never. Sure. Let's go. Have you seen any of their um, lead up yet? Like, have they done any press, press conference? Starts, press whatever? starts today. Okay, press starts, starts today. today. I will be watching his body language yes. like a hawk. Absolutely. See if he's going to be respectful. See if he's, you know, because, it, you know, I got to go well, now look at all all Sugar Shane's old ones to see how Sean O'Malley does. is innately disrespectful, which I love. Right. Which I love. But we'll see if he is. Yeah. This one. Absolutely. I'm very curious to or see Or if that. he gives him his due. Yeah, right? yeah. That's going to be a good question. Who you yeah. got in this fight? You got Peter Yan? Peter Yan. I'm taking Sean O'Malley. Okay. All right. How about Sterling versus Dillashaw? Uh, uh, once more, just hoping that Dillashaw gets annihilated. I, I can't yeah. stand Dillashaw. Can't you know, stand him. The The PED thing will follow him forever. Mm-hmm. And that's tough for him. But, man, Aljo, what Aljo did to Peter Yan in that last fight, mm-hmm. I went, holy shit. You Took his back three times in three consecutive rounds, got up three grounds to none, and then went, you know what? My body doesn't need any more punishment. And then laid on him for two rounds. Yeah. And took the fight convincingly. Yeah. 
he's an athlete, like just yeah. such a next level oh, athlete, yeah. like to where you're like, God, why'd you do this? You could have made a ton more money and oh, not for sure. done all this abuse, but for he's, sure. He's a crazy athlete. And he's one of those champions, man. If he starts to develop the ability to strike on his feet, like I look at him kind of in the vein of Kamara Usman, great wrestler, got him to the got him to the promised land. Now if he can develop some striking, that division's going to have some real problems. I got to dig deeper on his fights to know if he cuz the one thing with guys who are like wicked good athletes like that where yep. they're so far above the rest is that when they do get tested and pushed, a lot of those guys look for the exit in fighting, yeah. you know? So oh, yeah. that's because they're, they're, they're just not used to that. Like usually they're so good from their youth. They truly perseverance is their weakest thing. Well, know? I mean, I think Aljo showed plenty of that. Remember he got need in the face, you know, and had that concussion and then had to have neck surgery prior to that last Peter Yan fight. I agree, but how, but what about in fight? Right. I'm trying to think of what's the most like who's yeah. pushed him that he's come back and won. Good point. Yeah, good point. I'm not sure. So I we'll do feel out. like there's something, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll find out for sure. Uh, and the, so, who do you got? You, who you got? Al, we both got Aljo. Aljo, just because I, I can't stand the idea of Dillashaw winning again. Yeah, he he must have. He must be getting to the age where he starts to lose some speed. I would assume so. I would sure think so, but who knows? Maybe you know he's who's got, got good doctors. Yeah, you know who's got a lot of fights. And doesn't seem to want to slow down. How about Charles Oliveira? 33 recorded UFC wins. And he's pretty much going up against the hype of Khabib's shadow. Well, he's got the, yeah, I mean, he really is. I Uh, mean, you talked about it earlier. Talk about fights that reek of way overreaching to protect themselves. Islam Makhachev. Hmm? Say again? I think Islam has far overreached. Oh, I think he expects to win this fight. I think he does too. And I think Khabib expects him to win mm-hmm. because they want the spotlight for the, for their camp. I don't yeah. think any of them legitimately, like if we went to brass tacks, Charles Oliveira is a monster. After he had his kid, he came back a different fighter. Okay, so he misses weight. And we're going to get to the excitement of if he does again here yeah, in a second, yeah. right? But in in any fight that he's in, he is the favorite. He's great on the ground. He's an electric striker. He's got a, a brass chin. Like, Yeah, but th- so he occupies some magical space where has there ever been a champion who has done so much, who has won so convincingly in and, so yeah. many ways, but for some reason just feels beatable? Like, I'm right. not saying he is, but it's like to other fighters. He doesn't have that aura. He doesn't have that, like... Well, it's because he's got the stench of losing early in his career. Right. But but it, it's even his skill set, though. The, like, yeah. Like, even though it's, it's fucking phenomenal, it's just... It's so well-rounded. Yeah. It's like the coach's son out there kind of thing, yeah. right? He just yeah. does everything really well. Yep. And, you know, I think his greatest strength, and I, I'm not going to take credit for this. I heard it on a Joe Rogan thing, but I think it's super compelling... And really, um, there's the greatest counter argument to it is he, as a champion fighter, yeah, still fights like a contender. Yes, fearlessly yeah. takes the fight to it, takes risks. Oh yeah. And who is the greatest counter to that? Conor McGregor. Yeah. Talk about someone who just fights scared now that he got you know once he really ascended, you know because you can even yeah. go back to his Floyd fight. 
that was picking a fight that if you lose, you win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. like he hasn't competed on that level now for so long. And that's what Oliveira, I think that's his his superpower, is he yeah. goes into these fights for some reason with, like, an edge. Reckless abandon. Yeah. Yeah, true. And I think that fighting someone methodical, like um, Islam, is not a good formula for him. I think I'm very... I don't want Makachev to win, I, but I think he's going to I don't want him to win, nor yeah. do I think he's going to. Honestly. Makachev, has Makachev had a five-round fight yet? No, no. Different ball game, man. Yeah. Charles Oliveira can come out, win win the first round, you know, keep it close in the next two, and then get into championship rounds and test this guy's motor. Have now, we seen Makachev's um, chin? No. I don't know what he's saying I'm late to the party for, but you're too pretty, Deno, so I don't even want to hear oh. what you... What's up, Jordan? I appreciate it, man. This is my buddy who I'm actually going down to see next week in uh, Florida for Halloween. Don't hang out with guys that handsome, man. Come on. Yeah, it makes me look bad. It does. That's why I've been in the gym so heavy lately. That's right. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't think anybody has tested his chin. Right. Because he's, a, he's I'm going to smoosh you, you know? Right. I'm going to get close to you and lay on you and then ground smish. and pound you. Smish. I'm going to smish you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really view this fight as sort of of a... Yes, Oliveira should win. Yes, he's got the more well-rounded. He's been there, the rounds, all that. Yep. But I can, I feel like it's, uh, I don't know, like Makachev has a 40% chance to win. You know, like, I feel like it is yeah. that strong. Sure. I can buy that, 40%. It's all how it starts. I'll give you, you that. Know? Oh, puncher's chance. Usman just lost to Leon Edwards. Usman, yeah. obviously the better fighter. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think whoever... If Oliveira can come out and kind of control the pace, I think that will kind of dictate yes. it, is my guess. Yep. Because if he allows Makachev to overwhelm him and get in and all that stuff. But, I mean, whatever. It's going to be a great fight. I actually have gotten excited. What I was going to say when we rolled this fight card up yeah. is I was going to say I've never had a bigger card that I'm less excited for. And now I'm excited for it. This is a... Because of the technical fights. Yeah. Dana White. He's tried this before, and guys have gotten hurt. Guys right. have pulled out. This this card has been on the books for a month and a half. We've been pubbing it on this show for a month and a half. But the one thing that's going to ruin it is if Oliveira gets hurt, right? Well, here's the thing. Huh? How about the weight, right? So both of these guys in the past have missed weight. So Dana has already protected himself in the best way possible. Who is the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world right now, Gabe? Um, Usman? Alexander... Volkanov. Volkanov. Yeah. That's right. The fearless Australian. The thunder from down. phenomenal to watch. Right? Exactly. And if either one of these guys misses weight, Dana's going to put him in. What is his... I'm, I suck at Bid weight classes, champ, champ. unfortunately. Yes. But where does he... Is he... I mean, I know he's smaller than them, he's but the, I mean, he's is the it division, up 10 pounds? He's the, yeah, he's the five. division below... He is the division below lightweight. He's so up five pounds. pounds would be, or seven pounds, whatever yes, is what whatever, he's got to go Yeah, whatever yeah, okay. is. Okay. Um, and now, you want to talk about a guy that can wrestle and strike with either one of these two? Volk is that guy. City Kickboxing is currently producing some of the highest level champions and contenders in the world. In the world. In the world. And that's your backup fighter? I'm almost praying for one of these guys to break their toe, walk into the cage, or to the scale, or to miss weight. I'm praying for it. 
I want nothing more than to see Alexander Volkanovsky become a champ champ because he's already said that if he does it, he's going to defend both belts like Amanda Nunez. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, who would you rather see him match up with between those two guys? Oliver. If you could choose which one to get her. Oliver. Okay. Oliver. Be- because there's still questions about Islam, right? Mm-hmm. I want it to be convincing. I want him to walk in against the number one guy in that division, take him out, and then work on everybody else. I don't want him to come in, take out Islam, who's never been in a five-round fight before, and then everybody go, well, you didn't really fight the champion. Last thing, or at least for me that I have, is Oliveira, if he misses weight, what what does that mean for him? What He's done at this division. Forward? He's got to be done at lightweight. And then how, how do you like his chances moving up? At middleweight or whatever that would be. I'd have to take a look at some of the matchups. I think he's terrifying in whatever division he's in, just I on know. experience. Yeah. I right? think he's I think he's he's really one of those guys who does well with the with the size advantage yeah. kind of. He is, the a, length. he is a massive lightweight. Yeah. And I d I don't think that's it why would he misses weight. So great. That's why he misses weight. Right. And I think just Dana he would be so deep in Dana's doghouse. Oh. For that. that would be the fourth no. That would be the third time he's missed weight for a for a headliner and the second time he's done it for a title. Wow. That would be crazy. Yeah. Bananas. But I love the new trend of lining up these, like how they kind of pre-announce now yes. who the backup is. Yeah. I think that's great. Well, I mean, the first the first experience we really had at a formula like this was Connor. Right. And so. I think it's cool as hell, actually. It does add a, a cool angle to it. Too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, who do you got in this fight? Um, Oliveira. I'm taking Oliveira as well by knockout, might I add. Oh, I don't, I don't know why I don't think that, but yeah, but I don't. Somebody's getting finished. Oliveira's going out via submission because he has tapped out, I think, eight times in his career. Oh, really? Yes. Or, um, Makhachev's getting his face smushed, smashed, smashed, smash, and then maybe we can drag Khabib out of retirement. Oh man, I'm <laughs> yeah, so interested see? at the at um, the dynamic between um, Makachev yeah. and Habib because I can see um, whatever. Like I see this as some um, attention for Habib that he likes. Like it's and his Habib, ego. Yeah, he's like a ha- dad who kind of and Khabib owns his own fight promotion now. What mm-hmm. better way to put spotlight back on Khabib and get him in the headlines than to have his guy in the main event of the biggest card of the biggest promotion? In 2022. And then he's, he's going to pull him out and make him fight in his thing exclusively. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all, right. all right. So that's it. Two quick things before we wrap the show for the MLB playoffs. I know me and Gabe haven't been paying a ton of attention to this. We apologize. Um, but we do have Phillies Padres. So matchup of former national greats um, in uh, yeah. Juan Soto yes. and Bryce Harper. Uh, Bryce Harper has been finally as advertised for the Phillies, tearing the absolute cover off the ball, hitting over 400, four home runs, 11 RBIs, or sorry, uh, seven RBIs and 11 hits, um, squaring off against um, Man- really Manny Machado, who has been keeping the Padres afloat. Gabe, who do you have in this series? Um, I'm going to go with the Phillies, actually. Same. I like the energy. That, uh, what's so weird is, am I going to be in a position where I'm pulling for Bryce Harper? Oh, yeah, you are. God, it, Man, it feels that way. He is the top heel in the MLB, and every once in a while, those guys win a title. Yeah, and and kind of like I'll feel like he 
really earned it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because like he, like left, he deserves it. Left the Nationals, struggled for a couple of years. The roster wasn't great this year. He battled through a broken thumb, came back in time for the playoffs, and then led the team in all hitting categories that matter to where they've gotten to at this point. And also, don't forget, he came back from getting beamed in the face. True. Which is one of the hardest athletic things to even deal yeah. with. That's psychologically, man, that has ended people before. Yeah. It's crazy. So props to him. And he mm. deserves a ring. He should have got one in Washington when it was Strasburg at the top of his game and Scherzer and, you know. God, all the- yeah. He didn't get one. They gave it to Juan Soto instead, who is currently hitting 222. Boy, when is he? Yeah. So, uh, and then the other one is going to be the lowly Yankees um, versus the Houston Astros. By the way, I'm also taking the Phillies in seven in that series to get to the World Series. Um, But Astros and Yankees are next. Um, God. Aaron Judge just actively hitting him or swinging his way out of massive, massive, massive additions to his contract, currently hitting 167, which isn't, you know, too far off since the entire Yankees roster managed to beat the Guardians, hitting 182. I hate baseball now. But they're going to square off against the Houston Astros, who legitimately it has been a team effort. It has been everybody up and down their lineup that has provided pop in one way or another to get them to this point. Who are you taking in this? Oh series? yeah. Even the clubhouse guys help out. Yeah. Yeah. With the same signals and, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, uh, I can't tell you how much I hate both teams. Yes. I truly, it's like, this sucks. What a bummer. Yep. I hate all the teams basically, no, but you like, I mean, you I like, like San Diego. I like the Phillies. Um, yeah, so, okay, I'll choose the Astros because they're not the Yankees. I will choose the Yankees because they are not the Astros, but I'm telling mm. you right now. We're at an impasse. Bryce Harper seems to me like, what a narrative, right? Yeah. Bryce, to get to the World Series and then just be the Yankee killer. Ooh. I would love if that. If he beats the Yankees in the World Series, I think he surpasses Trout as like the, you know, as like our mantle. I've been spinning that narrative for years. How many how many deep playoff runs does Mike Trout have on his record? Well, yeah, right. Big goose egg, big old goose egg. So I will take the Astros in five in that. Or he did come back really impressively, though. Trout, yeah, super impressively. Yeah, I'm gonna take the. Uh, I'm gonna take the Astros in five. I would like to see the Yankees win, but I'm gonna take the Astros in five. The Yankees can't hit. The fucking and when I say by the way, Aaron Judge playing himself out of a ton of money right now, he definitely is hitting going all year, all this regular season success, and then to get into the playoffs, hit 167 in a contract year when the playoffs are what matters in New York and not show up. A Rod lost a lot of money in New York over this. Aaron Judge about to lose a ass load if he doesn't turn it around. I feel like he can do. He can have a, a game where he goes two for three and two for five. And all of a sudden, like, that'll be enough to save it. Oh, you know the, what I mean? Yeah, the meat. But he also But if he bombs out, it won't be good. Yeah, But he also could have come in and done what Harper's doing, and then you'd be looking, he could come to the table and be like, 500 oh, million, pay me. And he's right. not getting that now. Right. No, no, totally true. 100%. So, all right. So, looks like we're going Astros-Phillies for the, for the World Series. That's our prediction? Yep. 
Like it. Yeah, like so it. I'll watch a couple of games at least. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for the show today. I apologize that I went a little long, but I know you like sports talk, so I'm sure you're not too upset. Um, as always, glad to have you guys with us. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to share it with some of your sports friends uh, that enjoy these conversations as well, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, you can find us on uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Spotify, Twitter, Twitch, Patreon, MCN6 here in the Twin Cities, Saturdays, late night, um, and on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, if you uh, want to enjoy next week's show, feel free to roll on through Thursday around 11 o'clock. We will be recapping the UFC 280 card. I'm sure we're going to be taking a look at what the end of the MLB playoffs look like and previewing the Vikings matchup uh, ahead of their uh, showdown with the Arizona Cardinals in Minnesota, I believe. I think it's actually a home game for us this year. Um, as always, until next time, take care, stay safe, have fun. Who I guessed the button too. I was late on it. <laughs> Feeling good about that. My dogs are barking. MBC. No relation to NBC.